Welcome to the Hanover Valley Podcast, a ministry of Hanover Valley Presbyterian Church. We are located at 133 Carlisle Street in downtown Hanover, Pennsylvania. Check out the rest of our website at hanovervalley.org. Thank you for listening. We'll read it again. It's the, it's the traditional, known as the tra- traditional Christmas story, but follow along. Luke 2, verse 1. As we uh, look at some emotion, the, this loosely put together, the emotions that, uh, that surround uh, Christmas, the emotions that surround Christmas. Look at uh, Luke 2, chapter, uh, verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So... Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the, for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to a firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths, placed him in a manger because there, was no, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will be a, a cause of great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior is born, being born, has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign to you. He, you will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to, the, to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is God's word. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace to us. Thank you for your word uh, that became flesh. Didn't, Lord, you didn't uh, simply, it wasn't just uh, left as words, words shouted or written or sent to us, but, but that you embodied that, uh, that, that your eternal word, your your son, the word who was flesh, took on, took on our experience and took on our, our difficulties in this, in this place and to ultimately took on our sin, took on our rebellion and uh, paid for it so that we might uh, enjoy your benefits as we place our faith in you. Lord, do that for our, do that and remind us of your grace and fill us with joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, I think about in my life the number of things I have missed out on or have not taken advantage of because of 
because I was afraid. When you think about that in your own life, what, what is it that you, that as you think back over, and, and it, doesn't, it doesn't have to be big, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be old, old enough to, to experience this. When I, was, when I was 12 and just getting, getting involved in some church things, my parents were avid churchgoers and so therefore I, I was too. We, there was a big bus trip going to, the, going to Ocean City for the day and it was like the first youth event First kids event that you know, teenage event that I was going to go to, and I had, I had my day pack packed. I had my suit and my and my ba- and my towel all ready to go, and my sun lotion, and we were going to, and my money to, to be a, a part of it. And I sat in the car because I was sick to my stomach with fear to go on this trip. Um, sick, probably because I was afraid of being away from home, meeting new people, um, having, to, having to go swimming in a context that I wasn't familiar with at the beach, having to, you know, uh, just do things with, with different, I, you know, and some, of it, some, some of the fear was irrational in some respects, and I sat in the car sick to my stomach, and my mother was encouraging me to get, to, to go, and they were loading the bus, and loading the bus, and we watched, and then we watched the bus pull away. I was, I was a Boy Scout for a brief time. My father was a master scout leader um, and, was a, and, and grew up doing Boy Scouts and, was a, and, and did, did you know, amazing things on trips. And he tells, the stories he tells me about some of these trips were, were, were unbelievable stories about how, you know, one kid, they were, they were, they, one time my father was on a, on a camping trip with a bunch of scouts and, um, and they, were, they, had gotten to a, uh, they had gotten to a place to camp late and so it was dark and they set up in the dark and in the morning one of the tents was missing the tent and the boys in it were the boy in it was missing and they found him at the bottom of a ravine that he had slipped down with the tent over the ravine and my father had to rescue him from that and you know get him back so he tells me these these amazing stories of of uh, of rescue and of and of you know of skill development and of camaraderie and i when I went away to Boy Scout camp, I, you know, I remember loading up my pack. I had it packed. I had my uniform on. We're putting the butt. We're putting the. We're putting the, uh, the, the, the packs and all the gear in the truck. And I'm on the truck loading things up in here. But I, I'm so afraid and I'm so sick. And and at one point we're up there and I just got so sick I, threw up over the side of the truck. And then the whole rest of the week that we're away, I sat, I laid in bed because I was just, so, and, I, and some of this is irrational. Some of this is fear of failure. So some of this is fear of meeting new people, of being in, you know, of being in a, in a Boy Scout setting where, where they might make fun of me in some capacity. But how many things, how, and these are just the things as a, as a child, you know, um, not, to, not to think of the number of things that, that as an adult, the, the when you come to the crossroad of fear and anxiety or dread or a sense of uh, a sense of uh, even we'll talk about this in a minute but even guilt is a is a byproduct of fear in in the larger categories now fear is a good thing fear is a good thing fear is fear is the thing that that God gave us. Fear's a, th- fear's a good thing that God gave us in our, in our humanity so that when we get to the edge of a cliff, we don't leap off it. 
We get to, we, that, that uncomfortable feeling when you're on the edge of something. And even people who love cliffs. I mean, I, you know, there are pictures of me at the Grand Canyon. And I'm sitting out on, you know, rock outcroppings. And I've, and I've walked on Angel's Landing, which is a very precarious sort of, you know, um, in, in the national parks. And so I don't, I'm not really deathly afraid of. But there is a sense where even when I stand on the precipice, I do get a little, <gasps> that's good. Fear is good. But in our damaged condition... In our, in our broken condition as humans, fear is, fear is damaged. Fear, the, the warning sign that fear was meant to be is damaged by our brokenness, and therefore we can't completely trust it. We can't completely be led by it. In a perfected state, fear would always be right. Whenever you feel it, you should respond to it. But in our, in our broken state, and this is true for every emotion, we can't, in our broken condition as humans and in our sinful condition, we can't trust even the very things that, become, that are innate within us. And you can't trust fear in every capacity. You have to question, and there's a sense where the, in all those instances, should, should I have gone on that trip? Was that fear protecting me something that was deadly or that was going to be detrimental? Was the fear of going to camping trips and being a part of the Boy Scout sy- system in that capacity, was that, was, that a good, was that telling me something good in some capacity? And Like I said, fear can be good. Fear is often misunderstood. And too often our lives are, are driven, are driven and and incapacitated and we are paralyzed in some respects by the way that fear see here's the thing some news something some grid some aspect some news in your life some some filter in your life is going to shape your life something some some news is going to shape your life Will it, be, will it be news? Will it be a sense of tragedy? Will it be a sense of difficulty? Will it be a sense of damage that you've garnered through your life? A sense of, a sense of irrational um, uh, uh, emotional experience that, 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 that latches on to you? Or will it be that news that shapes you, that guides you, that leads you, that, that, that tends to be what you boot up? Or will it be the good news that Jesus brings through the angels? One or the other. And it's not just you decide once, oh, I'm going to be shaped by the news that Jesus gave me. This kind of shaping is momentary. It, is, it, it happens in the nitty-gritty of our lives, whether I'm going to be driven by, led by fear or faith, fear or hope. There's a scene in the movie um, Braveheart. It's the, by, by this time, it's probably, what, what is it, a quarter of a century old? You know, 30 years old with uh, Mel Gibson plays, plays William Wallace, who was, the, who was the liberator of Scotland from, uh, from, uh, from British rule. And uh, at one point, the, the meager forces of Scotland are on, the, are on a field with the massive forces, and this is depicted in the movie, the massive forces of Britain on heavy horse, as they called it, uh, and they're, on, they're foot soldiers. Heavy horse, armor, and, uh, and uh, bows and arrows, and foot soldiers. I mean, just massive forces. And the men are about ready to leave and go home, and William Wallace calls them back because they, they were going home because they're afraid. 
because they don't want to lose what they have because they don't want to they they don't want they don't want to die they don't want to and William Wallace calls them back with with his famous with his famous speech he he says you may go home today and you may live but then you will live under under tyrannical rule as they understood it for the rest of your life safe and warm and comforted in your home he says but you will not be free but today you may die for the sake of liberating and giving freedom to your children and to your children's children. And that's, you know, he raises the freedom. You know, there's a famous, you know, moment where he sort of raises his sword and, and as he's charging forward, he's yelling freedom. That's what we are. That's, that's what led them to break beyond their fear. And we see that in the context of the shepherds. They are confronted by this vision of God, by the news of good news. And isn't it interesting that whenever, that, when, that, that often the first reaction, and I, I, I'm going to say not just often, but almost that, that every time we are confronted with God himself, that whenever God comes or whenever the message of God comes into our lives, our first response is to be terrified. The angels appear and they're terrified. And, and in the, here's, the, here's the interesting thing. It says, um, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. It's just one guy with the glory of God around him. One. And they're terrified by one guy. Terrified by what he says. And, in, and, when, and when God, and again, this, is this fear something to be trusted? Is this the, the fear that God gave us to keep us from harm? Or is this the irrational, controlling, broken fear that's telling us to fear something that isn't actually fearful? Was God, was the angel coming to destroy them? No. Was the angel coming to, to condemn them? No. Was the angel there to, to somehow bring life, uh, to, to make their lives worse or to, or, to, or to expose them in some fashion? No. The angel says, I've come to give you good news, good tidings of great joy, which is for, not just for you, but it's for everyone. We've been afraid since the very minute, since the very beginning. When Adam and Eve were in the garden, and when, ever, and when they broke creation in the garden, when they, when they traded the world for a piece of fruit, when they traded everything God could provide, opulence and freedom and joy and utter communion with God, they traded all that to be able to have ownership of it all themselves by eating the fruit. When they broke it, the first response was, when God came, they were afraid. They hid. God's presence wasn't pleasant anymore. Up until, up until then, up until sin, up until brokenness, up until the, the time when they betrayed God, being with God was pleasant. He would come, and it says in the Scriptures that they walked together. In the cool of the day, God and man and woman would spend time, unencumbered time together. They weren't overwhelmed by that, that sense. And His glory, God was still God. God was the glory of Him shown round about Him. And not, not just an angel, but God Himself. Walking together and then as soon as, as soon as they fell, as soon as they betrayed him, 
they were allergic to him. They immediately, the fear overcame them, and the, and the person that they, that they were most comforted by, the person that gave them the most sense of fullness, the most sense of self, the most identity, the most sense of safety and warmth, now became a person of dread. Now, here's the thing. This is the, this is the un... Maybe that's not the right word. This is the, this is the, uh, the paradoxical complex nature of our fear in its broken condition is that fear when God approaches when God approached Adam and Eve they were hiding and he says to them Adam where are you he says well we're hiding because we were naked and we were afraid that's what he responded is that fear as we're trying as I said fear is good and true Fear is a lie and irrational. Fear is healthy and meant to, meant to guide us in a proper way. And fear is also uh, detrimental and, and often is a temptation that leads us to not trust in God. Which was it then? It was both. It was both. As it's always the case, it's always complicated. It's, it's, inter, it's intermingled. This is how sin works in our lives. And this is why God can say that even our righteousness is as filthy rags is because we're, we're contaminated at the, at the molecular level, at the, at the psychological level. And so at that moment, should a broken creature, should, a, should, they be, should there be fear and guilt and shame when they have betrayed a holy God who gave them nothing but grace? Yes. Because he said, you break if you, if you don't love me, if you disobey me, if you, if you betray me, there are consequences. Should they have been afraid? Yes. So, that, so initially, initially in their minds, that fear that God gave them was telling them a true thing, but it's intermingled with a false thing. Is that the Father who loves you this much, isn't, he wasn't coming to condemn them, he wasn't coming. As we see, he didn't, he didn't come to destroy them physically at that moment. He came to rescue them. He came, to, he, came to, to, he came in the midst of their fear to say, something's not right. What have you done? Did you eat the fruit I told you not to eat? Have you broken things? What are, what, what's going on? Where are you? He came. And then he covers their nakedness. He provides a way and a promise in the future and says, I'm going to fix what you damaged. I'm going to start now from the very beginning. I am going to, I'm going to crush the head of the serpent that led you astray. And in so doing, it's going to bruise this, my son. It's going to bruise him broken and, 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 and for your sake. But that, that fear, this is why when the angels appear to the shepherds, they're both afraid and hopeful at the same time. <laughs> they're afraid, which is irrational, but hopeful because there's news. And it, it, I, love, I love this. Often when we first hear the gospel, it scares us to death in some respects until, and I love the practicality of this, until they spend time with their friends talking about whether we should explore this. Yeah. If the gospel of grace, if the if there's any, and I've been I've been searching, I've been I've been discovering who Jesus is and what his grace means in my life for for fifty years, 50, 50 years or so, and I'm still discovering things, and there's still things that make me afraid, 
and they make me afraid until I spend time with my friends, until I spend time with, with, with God's people to explore what it means until it can work its way in my life and go, no, let's go off to Bethlehem. Yeah, let's, let's step out of this fearful darkness and step into the glad tidings of great joy. Let's, let's move towards that. Will you go with me? Will you help me walk along the path? That's, that's, the, how, we, that's how we overcome that's how we step beyond irrational fear, untruthful fear, to, and what, keeps, what, what allows me to take that step, what allows the shepherds to move past their irrational, their irrational fear. The reason they're afraid is some of it's irrational, some of it's the brokenness, some of it's they're afraid of a God they shouldn't be afraid of, some of it is that they are, they are so used to in a broken world that their hopes would be dashed, is that good news isn't good. You ever, you ever get good news and then you go, Really? You ever get a check from the government and then run right out and cash it? I don't. Because I did that once, and then they sent me a letter and said that that's not, your, that's not, we made a mistake. And if you cashed it and used it, then you're going to be due penalties. I go, what? You sent me a check, and then you're going to penalize me for cashing it? And, well, fortunately, that wasn't completely the case, but the threat was there, and I'm like, what the... So I, no, no. So good news isn't good news always, is it? Just because you tell me it's good news, you know, hey, your boss comes. Got some good news. Everybody's getting a raise. Ah, but you're going to have to work on Saturdays now. Because our lives and our culture convince us that we oughtn't to believe good news right off the bat. That it, 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 Good news that sounds too good to be true is not good, and it's not necessarily true. And I don't know if I can believe that. And so we lose a sense of hopefulness. And the, and the shepherds, part of the irrational fear that they were experiencing was, I'm not sure I can trust this good news. I'm not sure. It makes me afraid to trust. It makes me afraid to believe this because I've had my hope crushed before. I've, been, I've had my heart broken and I don't know if I can do it again. I don't, I don't know if I can step towards the hope, towards the light again. How many times, how many times you, in your life do you step toward the light and, and you get hit in the face? A friendship, an opportunity. You make a plan for the perfect experience and then and then rain and money and planes and all the rest, crush it. How many times are you going to do that before you, before you start realizing, I'm going to go, I'm going to go skeptical into the next thing, and skepticism, which is just fear. Cynicism is just fear. It's what the emotions do when they shut down. And cynicism says, I know, I, you know, pessimism, cynicism, Skepticism is all, it's all fear-based, which says, I, I'm not going to hope in this. I'm not going to trust you. I'm not going to, I've done this too many times, and I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be made a fool of believing that. I'm going to be, you know, cynicism says, I'm going to be the one guy, all of you lemmings out there, all of you crazies, they put their faith in this thing. I'm going to be the one guy standing over here going, I knew it. That's fear. That's the irrational fear. When an angel, when God comes and says, I have good news. 
But life teaches us that. That's part of the brokenness. Now, the real fear is when you're in the presence of glory. When you're in the presence of glory, there's an overwhelming sense that I'm on a cliff. Remember I said that fear is this thing where I'm on the edge of the cliff? (laughs) When you're in the presence of God's glory, it's appropriate to have that fear. It's appropriate to be... (gasps) That's the gravitas. Be led by the gravitas, not by the irrational hopelessness. And the shepherds gather round and their hope is built. Their hope is stirred in that moment, like a fire that's dying. They, they blew oxygen on it, together, sharing in this moment. Their hope, the embers of their hope were dying in the darkness, dying. The Messiah hasn't come. There is no hope. My sins will condemn me. I, I have no, I have, there's nothing that can fix the condition that I'm in. There's nothing that can be, and we search forever with, to try to fill the vacuum, to try to fill the void. C.S. Lewis called, called that void the, the, the inconsolable longing. What is your inconsolable longing? What is it that you, uh, that you are desperately, and maybe you don't know, maybe you've not explored life to this level yet, where there's this sense that there's an itch you can't scratch and you are trying to, you've tried everything. And most of the time you just walk around smiling and you, ho- and you just figure this itch can't be scratched. C.S. Lewis says, and the scriptures say, that that longing is meant to be filled from an eternal source. And God says, I'm the one that can fill that. I'm the one that can give you the identity that no human experience can provide for you, but can only awaken. So when, the, so when you fulfill, when you, when, when you and I are attempting through our hopelessness, through, through our own attempts to save ourselves, to fill the vacuum, to fill the void, the, the emptiness, the inconsolable longing with the things of this world, it's only awakening that itch. It's only, te- it's only showing me how much it isn't filling it. It's, a, it's, it's only making the gap, the, 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 the ache more. C.S. Lewis says, and the, and the scriptures say, yes, it's meant, things of this world were meant to awaken the void so that you know that God can fulfill it and that we can hope for him. The good news of glad tidings, of great joy, that is for all the people, peace on the earth, that God has come to make a way for that void to be filled, for that betrayal to be mended. And then you don't have to be afraid anymore. And the real fear, the genuine guilt, the shame, the fear that exists between me and God because we're at war... Jesus says, I'm going to end the war. I'm going, to, I'm going to give peace, the peace of God. I'm going to end the war, and you will have the peace of God because the war is over. You don't have to be afraid of his condemning heart, of his condemning anger any longer because I'm taking that into myself. That's the good news. And it starts with a child. This is, this is God, the warrior God, saying, I'm going to end the war, and the way I'm going to end it is with a baby. with a baby and that baby's going to grow and become the savior who will who will take all of your fears into himself and the and the shepherds gathered and talked about it and their hope was rekindled a hope that somehow they could step out of the struggle they're in and out of the shame and guilt and out of the fe- and not be led by fear but led by the faith in that hope 
that will never disappoint, the scriptures say. A hope that will never disappoint. I don't know what your Christmases are. I don't know what's under your tree. I don't know who you're spending your time with. I don't know what you are hoping for. And more than likely, filled with fun and loving, there's going to be some disappointment today. But Jesus says, hope in me and I will never disappoint you. I will never cease from making you into a masterpiece. I will never cease than to give you great and wonderful blessings. I will never cease to not be with you. I will never cease to, to, to move heaven and earth for your benefit and my glory and for the expansion of my kingdom. That's good news. And if your life is filtered by that, if your life is marked, if your life is shaped by that news that Jesus put his life on the line for, it changes you. Moment by moment, it changes you. The thought of that rings the message of good news and glad tidings, rings in your ears when you're faced with fear, when you're faced with doubt, when you're, when you're faced with a sense of self-condemnation, when you're faced with a sense of daunt, when you're faced with a sense of disappointment, when you're faced with a sense of this is only, this is too good to be true, when you're faced with a sense of negativity, when you're faced with a sense of fear, the hope rises when the good news of glad tidings rings in your ear and you step ahead to find that everything you'd ever been told was just as you had been told. Let's pray. Father, rise within us the news of, that is good and glad tidings. Rise within us that message of grace, not the message of, irrational, of the irrational fear within us, that you've taken away the actual guilt by Jesus so that there is no need to fear you any longer that we can trust in what you tell us is true and let it lead us to courage. Let it lead us to, to love in bold ways. Let it lead us to hopefulness. Father, do that and let that message, let, that, let, the, let the angels' clarion words ring in our ears, pulsate within our hearts. so that we might be your ambassadors of a kingdom of good news in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.